Well, welcome everybody to Marketing Management and Money, All Things Small Business. Here today we have Shane Mishler. We are very excited to have him. He is with SD Tech. Now, a little bit of background here with Shane. So Shane has been in the IT world for uh, a number of years and he kind of had an interesting start. So he actually grew up as the oldest of eight children, but uh, he grew up in kind of an impoverished single mother home and was basically forced to emerge from that chaos and step into a leadership role at a very early age. And so uh, learning to manage an entire household taught him the importance of grit, listening, and smart risk-taking that has given him an edge in business. So he's taken that edge, and he has launched into SD Tech as the chief operating officer. He has also guided many other organizations to help them thrive and uh, flourish in kind of the IT and technology space. And so we are happy to have him on the show today. We're going to be talking uh, a lot of tech. And so uh, with that, Shane, why don't you kind of uh, introduce yourself, uh, give us a little bit of a background of what SD Tech is, uh, you know, where uh, where you've been with, uh, with SD Tech, and then some of the other things that you've done outside of SD Tech, where you've had opportunities to uh, help coach businesses, uh, work with organizations, things of that nature. I really appreciate you having me on the show, Ryan, and thank you very much for the warm introduction. Um, you you introduced me quite well, and and I uh, very appreciate it. So, a little bit about SD Tech. I'll start with SD Tech, and then I'll explain a little bit more about who I am. Uh, SD Tech is a managed services provider and MSP. When I joined SD Tech. Uh, a little over four and a half years ago. I had never heard that term, never heard the acronym. I wasn't familiar with any of it, so I don't know how many of you out there are familiar with it. A managed service provider um, provides IT consulting and implementation for small to medium-sized businesses that don't have their own internal IT or help desk. So uh, long story short, we come in, we assist business owners with identifying what types of technology is going to assist them in better servicing their client, and then we help them um, match the right technology to to meet their goals. Namely, I think one of the biggest things I've seen, Ryan, with with small business owners that don't have a an MSP or an IT consultant assisting them is they typically end up overspending on technology that doesn't service them or their clients. So we come in and we try and help them uh, better spend their money and and take care of people. So a little bit about myself. You're very correct. I have been in IT or surrounding technologies for a number of years. Um, I got into technology thanks to video games as a kid. <laughs> I, I, it was a great escape. It's, it's what I've always done as a hobby. I still do it now. Uh, but playing video games, I remember going to arcades with, with my father. And uh, as I got into my teens, um, computers were just starting to come out into some people's uh, homes, and I had uh, very little access to a computer in my early teens, and but I I wanted to do more, and but namely it was I, I wanted to play video games. Mm -hmm. So then I started to learn a little bit more about computers, and Frankenstein my very first PC together, and then, um, it kind of just went went from there. In my early twenties, I was in art and music, and I started to learn how to. Uh, bring art and music both together with technology and uh, 
So it's just, it's kept my hobbies fueled. And then eventually I got into it from a professional standpoint and uh, technology is ingrained in every aspect of my life. My wife works in tech. My daughter has been interested in tech. I, <laughs> I enjoy podcasts and everything that technology brings to us. So it's amazing. That's, a, um, that's wonderful. Can, yeah, can, so can that's, I, can I jump in real quick? Because, um, yeah. so as as you're talking about how tech has you know kind of shaped you and influenced you and uh, you know I remember growing up so you know I grew up in the 80s and you know the definition of technology my kids laugh at me there's like how did you go to school without the internet you know <laughs> you know and so I I, I want to take just a quick second before we get too far down this path and I want you to help define technology for small businesses because one of the things that I've seen a lot is I've seen a lot of small businesses do what I would call chase technology something new and flashy comes out they feel like they have to jump on the bandwagon they start using stuff that really isn't applicable to them because they don't want to get left in the dust and so can you just sort of talk about, I mean, coming from, and I don't know when you grew up, but the fact that you said arcades, I'm like, yeah, probably, you know, we, we probably grew up in uh, in a similar time frame. Uh, but can you talk about like the evolution of technology, but from a perspective of a small business owner, you know, like don't chase technology is kind of what I'm getting at here, but it, with your expertise. I agree. I really do. So my my understanding of, of how technology uh, supports a small business is oftentimes very different than somebody who's not in my field because this is what I do day in and day out. And so sometimes this could be a difficult question for me to answer because I'm so deep in it. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to chasing technology, I have seen a lot of, uh, I do a lot of work with real estate agents and real estate brokerages. Um, and real estate agents, oftentimes they want to be relatively flashy for their clientele, right? So when they're out showing homes, they want to make sure that they have the best of the best. And so I have seen a real estate agent um, spend absurd amounts of money on the highest end IMAX because that's what they, they associate that with a very specific lifestyle. And that's what they want to showcase to to their clients. And so I've seen them drop four to $5,000 on a machine that they will never use any more than 10% of mm-hmm. their, those machines are, are they're made for like high end marketing and graphic design, 3d animation music. And these guys are out there loading up Chrome and showing off some pictures of various houses. <laughs> so that's one area where I would say, you know, you're kind of chasing and, and you're overspending but on the, the flip side, I've also seen where real estate agents are really good about partnering with people who use like drone technology mm-hmm. to go out and get really awesome flyovers of a home and showcase its area. So it, with just that one vertical, I've seen where they overspend and it's just very wasteful. And then on the other side, they're really getting into the technology that I enjoy and showcasing how it can enhance the services you're providing your clientele. Uh, for me... I'm from San Antonio, Texas, uh, born and raised here. I was born in 82, so I grew up in the 80s and early 90s and um, very grateful for the way that we've got to see technology emerge and and go from being um, something that gently enhanced our lives to something, I mean, now it's, it's in every single aspect. But so in San Antonio, I have a lot of people who are like, oh, I don't have need for technology in my small business. 
And I challenge anybody who believes that they don't have need for technology in their small business to explain to me how you manage that in today's age. Because I can go meet with somebody who runs a taco truck. Uh, and Ryan, I don't know. Are you familiar with taco trucks? Oh, of course. Right. I mean, come on. Who's okay. not familiar right. with a taco truck? Taco Tuesday, we're good. Just <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So even a taco truck, um, they have to have some way of keeping inventory of you know what, what foods and materials they have. And they have to be able to keep that inventory from location to location. So they're typically going to have a laptop. They're going to use Microsoft Office or some type of Excel Word uh, to keep track of that. They're going to need a POS system that is is going with them. And right, so there's a ton of different ones, but that's all different forms of technology. You most likely are going to have social media representation, letting your clientele know where you're at, especially if you're a moving taco truck going from location to location. And then if you are a step above the rest, you're going to have a business phone that is separate from your home phone. And so having some type of voice uh, voice over IP to allow for you to keep your home life and professional life a little bit separated. So even a taco truck has these six to 10 different pieces of technology that they need in place to truly be able to support them. Can it be done without it? Sure. But are you maximizing your service to your client? Absolutely not. So that's that's what I think of when I think of the positive ways that somebody is utilizing technology versus opening themselves up to chasing technology, as you well, said. And, and, and I appreciate that you brought in the balance there because I kind of neglected that in my questioning. You know, I are I just made it sound like, oh, don't go too far with it. But there is... <laughs> There's a, a need, there's a requirement for technology. Uh, I, I find it interesting. So my dad, he's actually going to have his 80th birthday uh, here oh. in two weeks. It's coming up pretty soon, right? And uh, he just launched a YouTube channel. And I'm like, way to go, dad. You know, like you're, you're almost 80 years old. And here you are launching a YouTube channel. Now, it's not business-wise. It, it's for a hobby. Uh, he loves playing the guitar, and he writes his own songs. And you know, and so it's, it's really exciting to see this. But to your point, when you said, okay, show me a business out there that doesn't use technology, I'm like, show me a person out there that doesn't use technology. <laughs> you know, and, and unless you it's very like, true. try, you know, you're trying to get off the grid, like you're using some form of technology and having that balance, which is going to lead me to kind of this next, uh, next question that I have. So SD Tech, you made the comment of most often people who don't understand, uh, you know, the services that are provided are going to end up spending too much money. And that feels counterintuitive. Uh, you know, we see it a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use an example that's going to make a lot more sense to me and hopefully some listeners out there. Uh, you know, how many times have I, have I been under the hood of my car and, you know, at the end of an entire wasted day, I, I'm like, wow, I could have taken that in. Yeah, it would have cost me 200 bucks, but I spent, you know, I spent $150 in tools because I didn't have them. Then I spent another 100 bucks in parts. Then I spent my entire Saturday trying to get this car fixed, and I kind of got it right. 
I'm assuming it's a similar situation where it's like, sure, you know, if you want to get under the hood, you can get under the hood. But let's let's talk let's talk about SD Tech. You know, so bringing this in with how do we find the right balance of technology in our small business, uh, and, and and then talk about you know what does SD Tech do to uh, to help that. So I would love to talk about that before before I jump into that. I have a great story that just this just happened um, last weekend um, that I love that really highlights exactly what you're talking <laughs> about, Ryan. So um, SD Tech CEO Wes Ulmer, who's arguably one of my absolute closest friends, uh, Wes, his son just turned 18. He has his first job. Uh, technically, I think he's on his second job, but I think he's he's been working at McDonald's. He's saving up some money and he's working towards purchasing a car. Okay. Or at least getting the down payment for a car. So he also just launched his very first YouTube channel and he's doing some uh it's really cool. He's he's doing game highlights from this game that he plays. And so he's been working on building up his YouTube channels, hosted a couple of giveaways, and he's doing great with it. Sure. So Wes asked his son um last weekend, he said hey. Hey kiddo, you know, how much money do you have saved up for the down payment on this car? And of course, Wes has access to his son's bank account. <laughs> so he knew that he did. He recently did have about two grand saved up. And then his son got very uh, sheepish and very shy. And he was like, well, uh, I don't, not very much. And he was like, well, what happened? I thought you had a couple of grand. He was like, well, you know, I've been really trying to push to get this YouTube channel, get some traction going for it. And he was like, uh-huh, uh-huh I'm listening. He's like, and you know, I did the giveaway and I got up to, I think he actually hit like 2000 subscribers in a, in a very short amount of time. Good for He's you. like, so the giveaway was good. And so I wanted to put some money into marketing for the YouTube channel. And he was like, okay, that's great. Did you come talk to me about it? No, of course not. Well, how much money do you have left in your bank account? He was like, um, I spend about all of it <laughs> on the YouTube marketing. <laughs> He has four videos on his YouTube channel and he, he he put more money into marketing the channel versus into content creation first. And so he kind of put the cart before the horse. And and I see things like that happen so often. And you know, you never want to discourage a young entrepreneur, but at the same time you want to assist them in better spending their money. So but we just see this happen on on a regular basis. So some of the ways that SD Tech will come in and assist a company with with better budgeting and right better spending, um, we will look at at what it is they do day in and day out. So when I'm getting to know a client, um, oftentimes our client will come and they'll say, "Hey, I need help with my network. I need a new router, a new switch, new phones, new computers, whatever it is." And I will typically politely say, "Hey, let's circle back around to this conversation." Before I start making recommendations, I want to know what do you do on a daily basis? Roughly how many employees do you have? And and give me just a breakdown. What do your frontline employees handle day in and day out? And they're like, why are you so interested? I'm like, well, I cannot comfortably make uh, recommendations for you unless I know what everybody is actually doing. Because if you're saying that you need new computers for five different employees, those five different employees may want exactly the same computer or they may need vastly different ones. And until I truly know what you're doing, then I, I'm not going to be comfortable making recommendations. So the consulting piece comes in. We want to get to know our client. We want to truly understand what it is, what product are they offering uh, to their users, and then we assist them there. And and we help build 
uh, packages that go from the ground up. That's awesome. No, that, and that makes a lot of sense because so here at Marketing Management Money, we, uh, you know, we work with a lot of small businesses and I find, you know, as a business consultant or anyone who does business consultancy, one of the best things that you can do is have your customer before they become a customer go out and do it themselves because you make a whole lot more money when you get to fix the mistakes than you ever would make if they would come to you on the front end. Now, I'm not advocating this. I'm kind of saying this tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but but it's very true. Um, you know, even when you were talking about the systems, uh, there was a company that I was working with recently that they uh, they thought one computer, you know, ruled them all, kind of that uh, Lord in the Rings uh, <laughs> concept. Yeah. And, and in their company, they, they had sales guys that were out and about. They traveled a lot. And so I'm like, okay, what do they do when they meet with customers? And it's like, oh, they just pull up, like, you know, digital flyers and show them the website. I'm like dude, that's an iPad or just, you know, some small little laptop. Uh, It's got to get through security easily and it's going to get beat up. So don't buy anything of quality because in one or two years, that thing's going to get beat up, you know, and then they had a graphic designer on their team and that graphic designer was just so frustrated because he wasn't given a quality tool. And uh, he was actually, when I first started working with this company, he was actually using his own computer because the company wasn't providing the the correct machine. And you know, right. and, and and one of the things that I helped the company understand is I'm like, this is sort of like, you know, if you uh, you know if you if you have a restaurant and you know the the cooks are bringing in their own pots and pans because you. You won't spend the money on pots and, you know, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Like if you saw, uh, you know, your, your chef, like just wheeling in a cart of his own stuff because your stuff is junk, you'd be like, oh, we got to fix that. But in technology, sometimes our ignorance lets us just do that. It's, it's so true. And, and that's your, your metaphor, your analogies there are so accurate. I have seen where just people will spend more money on their salesperson because their salesperson has to look a particular way while they're letting their their graphics designer in the back use the cheap iPad and the guys out front are using the high-end laptops. So it's like, oh man, you got you have that backwards. You just it's just backwards. You're decreasing your efficiency, you're impacting your employees. Like they're gonna be frustrated trying to get their job done and you're going to be asking them why they're not meeting deadlines. And, and then they're just like, this is all nonsense. It's, and it can be fixed. It can, it just takes, takes a lot of work and, and it takes somebody who's there assisting you along the way. In most cases, I know like there's, there's a lot that I am not great at. <laughs> I'm not. And so I know when it's time for me to say, Hey, I need somebody who can assist me, whether it's spending money, helping me budget, helping me plan. And, and just, I know where, my weaknesses lie and I know what I need assistance with. And that's where we come in and we assist with this technology because more often than not, it's either overspending or it's, Oh, well, one of our employees is pretty good with tech. So he helps out with a lot of stuff. And it's like, Oh man, that's great. But aren't you paying him to handle a different set of responsibilities? How does he get everything done? I I see a lot of uh, as soon as payroll comes in house, it's no longer an expense, and I'm like, okay, 
the mm-hmm. vast majority of small businesses, your number one expense is payroll. And you want to make use of every hour that you're paying for because those are expensive hours. And and I'm an advocate of paying good wages. I'm an advocate of having a good team and building up that team. But I'm also an advocate of making sure that you are managing that resource. And, you know, that I, I always say... You can outsource anything but your core competencies. So unless you're an IT firm, you can outsource your IT. Just like, you know, most people have an outside accountant when it comes time to do your uh, your taxes or to do your quarterlies, you know, yep. you have no problem outsourcing that critical piece. Not at all. No, and and even if you're brilliant in finance, you still want an expert looking over it. So, yeah, makes sense. Do I mean, the, the cost of hiring your own internal accountant for a small business versus outsourcing that is just, that's a no brainer. Right. You're going to save so much money and have it handled by a team. It's the same thing when it comes to technology. Um, we are able to typically come in at 20 to 30% of what you would be paying or if you hired your own technology team. And then how are you going to manage it? How are you going to train it? You know, it's going to be small. So it, it it does make a lot of sense to me. It makes a lot of sense to you, but I think that oftentimes it's not a matter of making sense. I think that a lot of people just don't realize it's an option. So, okay, I want to talk about options here for a second because there's, you know, there's this big thing going on. It's AI. Everyone feels like AI is replacing all of our jobs. We, you know, in in two years, we won't be having this conversation. It'll just be, you know, generated uh, whatever that's going to be having. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I want you to talk about what is the role of AI especially when it comes to running a small business. Now, I want to stay in your expertise of, of IT because, you know, you can look at AI for marketing. You can look at AI for some of the daily tasks that you're going to have, um, you know, a lot of content creation. But I want to stay focused on the IT side of things. What do you see in the next year, two years, maybe three years that is really going to change because of AI specifically in IT for small businesses? So, nothing. <laughs> if I'm being quite honest, Ryan, it's, it's <laughs> nothing right now. I don't think that there's going to be any significant changes. Um, you, I, I, I love it. This is great. Recording, you. you mentioned that you're going to bring this up. And to be quite honest, this is something that I spend a lot of time uh, thinking about. I spend a lot of time researching. And, and I do this from personal interest, um, more so than professional interest. So SD Tech, right? I I stay busy more hours a week than I care to count, um, handling the responsibilities that I have to handle. So over the last six months, uh, there's been two of us, myself and our CEO, who have started to drill further and further into AI because our clients, our friends, our guests, our uh, the host of podcasts that I'm on, they they look to us and say, hey, guys, you're in technology. What do you think and feel? And for the most part, the, the, only, the only experience we have personally had working with, um, with new AI has been ChatGPT. And we've primarily used it to help us write a couple of emails or help us with some documentation, which has actually been super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, I am... I, outside of 
my professional experience and my personal, I'm really focused on where AI is going because it is going and there will be significant advancements in AI over the next two to five years. But I do not believe that those advancements are going to impact average everyday users. And you're right, there's a massive concern about I'm going to lose my job, AI is going to take over the world. And then from there, you're just five to 10 years outside of seeing Terminator and Skynet <laughs> happening. And um, there's a lot, there's a ton of fear. But the reality is, is that there's, we are always going to need people governing what AI is doing. And so I don't, I don't see a concern with jobs very much outside of um, art, um, the arts. So with actual artwork, and then with voice, um, clearly there's some some big concerns there, and it's a very hot topic. But right now, for what I'm hoping for from AI on how it's going to impact technology, is that, that we're going to see advancements in cybersecurity. And I don't think it's going to be massive advancements where it's going to eliminate um, jobs, but I do think that it's going to work towards creating a more safe space. Um, AI is going to be able to look for trends quicker and adapt quicker than any sets of human eyes can. Uh, and some of that technology, though, isn't new. The uh, the antivirus programs that we, we use and we've been using for three or four years are backed by AI. And it digs into the computer and it looks for um, trends. It looks for actions that haven't been present previously. So if somebody's opening up like a command prompt in the background, or if if program A is attempting to access program C and the AI says, hey, why is this one program trying to interact with this other program that's never happened before? It can raise flags. Um, so it's already been there. It's already been assisting us quite a bit. I just, I don't foresee any massive advancements over the next two years. So you actually brought up my number two question, and and I didn't give you a sneak peek on this one, so I apologize. Um, You're okay. But it's uh, security, cybersecurity, because that seems to be the other really big topic. Uh, I mean, you see, and and I'm going with an extreme example here that has nothing to do with 99% of small businesses, but when you look at uh, warfare, you know, warfare is actually moving digital and, and and cyber, which to me is just fascinating. I think I think it's so interesting to see uh, that humans, for whatever reason, I, I read once, and I, this is not my expertise, but I read that uh, humans, termites, and ants are the only species that will uh, declare war. Uh, everything else will fight, you know, but like they fight for food or they only do small. Uh, you know, like chimpanzees, you know, they'll, they'll go out and do, you know, like the, they have almost gangs where they go out and raid other, uh, you know, other chimps, but like, uh, termites, ants, and, and then us, you know, we're, we're right there with the termites, uh, out there, you know, waging war. Uh, but, you know, I, I look at cybersecurity, it's growing, it's increasing. Uh, there's a lot of fraud out there. This is a huge piece of IT, um, you know, I, I, I've seen small businesses that, you know, they, they get threatened by ransomware and, and so 
maybe tying this in, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go from some of your AI comments where you said that AI really is going to uh, help make that space more secure. But I'd also like to have uh, a little bit of a discussion on that, maybe some best practices for small businesses, um, things that you've seen that, you know, that, that are good, bad, ugly, you know, whatever. So with that, that's a big old backdrop. And I know we could do yeah. an entire series on cybersecurity. So I'm like, hey, smush it all in. But, but I would like to talk about it. So, so cybersecurity is, um, is a very interesting space when it comes to small, small to even medium-sized businesses because a lot of people think that they are just going to float under the radar. And it's, it's just not, it's not true. Um, I, I've, even I've, for a small... I, I've heard a statistic that uh, small businesses are actually the number one target for cybersecurity, more so than medium and large businesses. I, I, I don't know it's how true. accurate that is. Okay, it is true. It, it is, and it's it's because your, your larger... Okay, so let me, let me back up a little bit. Um, prior to working with SD Tech, the, the last organization that I worked for was Kohl's Department Stores, and I worked for their corporate office here their secondary corporate office here in San Antonio, Texas. And during my stay at Kohl's, I, I worked through every department within that operation. And I the last department I was working with before I left was their risk management operations. And so their risk management operations was broken down to two sectors, fraud and collections. And when I started with Kohl's, um, I don't remember when it was, 2013, 2014, they had one team of about 20 agents who worked fraud. And when I left, there were over 120 or 130 agents working fraud. So that, that speaks volumes. It really does. It, I used to say what, what the majority of people didn't know, but I think that that's actually not true. I think that there's probably about 50-50 now. A lot of people know a little bit more about fraud because there's been really interesting TikTok videos, YouTube series where people like dig into how fraud actually works. But uh, so you're aware, so your listeners are aware fraud is a profession and um, there are entire call centers with like hierarchy, frontline agents, team leads, supervisors, operation managers who are running multiple hundreds of thousands of employees who are committing fraud in various verticals. So when you have a business and your business is fraud, if you go out and you, you might look at a, at a high profile client, let's say a Las Vegas casino, a Las Vegas casino, if you could, you could land a hit on a Vegas casino, that's going to, you know, one job and you're done. Like that's a movie. You're yeah, yeah. It's a big bankroll and you're out, but targeting a Las Vegas casino is next to not next to impossible, but the amount of resources that you're going to have to pour into it, it's too much. It's going to take way too much work and you're paying these employees. Mm -hmm. They're fraud employees. They're bad guys, but you're paying them. And so you would have to have such a large bankroll to even go after that, that it makes going after a Las Vegas casino next to impossible. They have been using various forms of AIs for so much longer than the majority of businesses, facial recognition and fingerprints, and they have massive sets of cameras and all of this protection. Or you could target consumers, right? Not even necessarily businesses, but just going after a consumer. And that's why you see like 
identity theft and and just you know bank fraud and and going after credit cards because they find those to be the weak links and it's easier to hit a thousand small credit cards than to go after one larger business sure and so that same mentality is what is what small businesses have to be looking at is it's just easier to go after a small business where they know that there's going to be lower um, cybersecurity installations they're not going to have as much support and because you're a small business if you do if you're subjected to, to ransomware you're going to be more likely to pay out that ransomware because you don't have the backing that bigger guys have so one of our one of our current clients we've been working with for a little over three years um, it's a dental office and it's a it's a I would say it's a decent sized dental practice. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the dentist has two locations. Um, he probably has a total of 15 to 20 employees. And three years ago, he got hit with ransomware and he found that all of his, uh, his CRM was totally locked down. He lost access to all of his client records and uh, he reached out to, we weren't at this point in time, we weren't his provider yet. But he reached out to his IT company and said, hey, guys, this is what's going on. Um, Can I get access back to my information by using a backup? They were like, yeah, yeah, we've we've been hosting backups for you. Well, it turned out that he had been paying for backup services, but none of the information had actually been backed up for six months. So, yeah, so this guy, he ran into some really big problems. And so he turned to us. We stepped in. We we helped him um, the best we could. Of course, he ended up being out a ton of data, and so we assisted him in coming up with a plan on how to gain that data back. He chose not to pay the ransomware, and it, kudos to him for for not doing it. But it did. I think that he had to close both practices for the better part of a week, and all employees had to go into a triage mode to start recovering the the data that had been lost. And then they have to reach out to their clients and explain that, you know, that they were a victim and therefore that the client's information had also um, been, you know, been released mm-hmm. and yeah, it had been compromised. And so uh, I, it was really impressive. I think that San Antonio is a great community and I, I think he lost a handful of clients, but the vast majority of everybody was really understanding. And I think that he got very, very lucky. So since then he has, well, we maintain his uh, off-site backups and he has an on-site backup. And for a lot of people having two different types of backups feels like overkill, but for a person who has been through this before, they understand it better. And the off-site backup is great. Um, it, it makes things a little bit more secure, but it also takes a little bit longer to do a backup recovery in the event that you actually need it. And he uses his on-site backup for when he needs immediate access to it. And fortunately in the last three years, Nothing has come up, but but he understands the importance of of protecting his business, protecting his clients, protecting their information because this small dental practice was hit with ransomware. And we fortunately, none of our clients have ever had it happen. And I would love to say it's because our clients follow our recommendations and that we have all the right tools and things in place. But, but the reality is, is is we've been lucky. Even mm-hmm. with having the right tools in place, the majority of the time, all you're doing is making it um, more difficult 
to be the subject of a, of a ransomware attack or of cybersecurity um, infiltration. But our main focus is in the event that it does happen, how quickly can we recover from it and keep your information safeguarded? Uh, now, now, cybersecurity. Go ahead, Ryan. Well, I was going to say I, you are correct uh, in saying that you've been lucky. However, uh, I find that minor things make major deterrence because, as you mentioned, these people, they're in it for business. And if they can go after someone that is like, well, okay, they have some weak security in place, but this person has no security in place. Well, from a business perspective, if I'm cycling through hundreds, if not thousands of these, every time that I have to take that much more time to get around security, it's not that they're incapable of getting around the security. It's just the economy is such that, oh, it's it's more cost effective to go after the, it is. the no security. So my experience has been that businesses that put even some minor precautions in place, it, it pays pretty pretty big dividends in terms of the likelihood. It's not a guarantee. You know, I know businesses that they were Fort Knox and they still got hit. And, you know, uh, I, it's, that's the world we live in. And so to your point that you were getting at is how quickly can you get back up and running? Um, you know, so I don't want to cut that point short, but I do. And, and, and I'm kind of stating this slash asking this of, do you feel that, you know, that, that minor precautions, uh, you know, do, do pay dividends? They, they absolutely do. Uh, I think that that, and that's exactly where I was going with this is when it comes to cybersecurity, every time that you're put another layer in place that helps provide that protection, because that's to, to in my eyes, that's all cybersecurity is, is, how many layers of protection do you have in place? But as you add in new layers, you start to make things more difficult for your employees to do their job, right? So um, I think one of the best layers of, of cybersecurity that a company can have in place is just using um, multi-factor authentication for their passwords, right? So you input your regular password and then having a little six-digit code, whether that's a text message or email, having that in place is very, very helpful. But it adds uh, inconvenience for your employees because every time you're going to log into something, now I have to do something extra. So every time you're adding in a layer, you're making it more difficult or encumbersome to do your job. And so I think that there's, you have to find a good balance. And I don't even want to say the right balance because the right balance <laughs> is going to vary from person to person. But you have to find a good balance between making things difficult to get into versus making your life excessively inconvenient. We all know that it's better to park your car in a garage. It makes it less likely to get stolen or broken into. Right. But how many of us still park our cars in our driveway because parking in the garage is an inconvenience, whether it's just getting the car into the garage or because we use our garage for storage and a whole <laughs> bunch of other stuff. But those are the things that we, we think about that on a regular basis and we're making a conscious decision. And I think that when it comes to cybersecurity, it, it's very helpful to look at it the same way. We know that there's risks involved, but do we understand what layers of protection we have available to us? Do we understand the convenience that it offers or inconvenience that it imposes? And are we looking at securing our, our business or are we just living on 
hopes that are not going to be the ones being targeted. Yeah, uh, and I think that's really excellent advice is the uh, the whole concept of saying, okay, how do we put layers in place? Uh, you know, the more layers that you have, but finding that balance. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with a lot of businesses and I don't do, you know, tech and security is not... You know, I will let them know, hey, you need to have this, but I'm not going to be the guy that's going to, you know, provide that. Uh, but that's the number one argument that always comes back is oh, I just don't have time for that. You know, I'm all I'm already so busy, uh, you know, to which my response is, do you have time for a ransomware? You know, <laughs> you really don't have time for that. Oh, you know. but oftentimes, again, though, I, I think that people just don't know their options. And I think that there's a, a ton of business owners out there who don't realize that they have an option of reaching out to a consultant who's going to do all the legwork for them and then make some recommendations, discuss the budget, and then help them figure out the implementation. And so hopefully, um, hopefully this conversation just makes you aware that there are people out here who do this for a living and a, a large number of these, these businesses offer free consultation and, and will at least help you get thinking about what you need to be doing because being the victim of ransomware is it's dude, it sucks. Like there's just <laughs> no way around it. It's time consuming, it's expensive, and it can have a real negative impact on your community if your clients lose trust in you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to just wrap up, we're, we're uh, kind of out of time, but if someone were interested in getting that consultation with you and your team, how would they connect with you? Uh, if you could uh, say that out, we'll also put that in the description so people can follow up. But what's the best way to connect with you? So the best way to connect with me personally is going to be on LinkedIn. You can find me underneath Shane Mishler. Um, to reach out to SD Tech, we do provide all of the services I've been mentioning, and honestly, a ton more. If it's technology-centric, we'll assist with it. Um, and we are located in San Antonio, Texas, but we do uh, work internationally, primarily in the Northern America so far, but uh, I have clients everywhere. And you can find us at sd-tech.net. Um, you can also find us through LinkedIn as well, but I'd give numbers and all that other stuff, but it's all extra. You could just reach out. Uh, we love getting to know new people and, and assisting them and assisting their clients. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, about uh, 15 to 20% of the listeners uh, of this show are international. So, uh, like you said, uh, you do provide an international service. Uh, and so, we do. If you do want to reach me, you can find me, Ryan, at marketingmanagementmoney.com. This has been one of our interview episodes. And uh, thank you so much, Shane, for being on board with us, providing some awesome insight, uh, great discussion. And, uh, yeah, we hope to talk to you soon. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. Take care.